You like to watch new stuff, right? Well, go to Hulu and see what's new, because Hulu has new stuff all the time. Like Vanderpump Villa, the new docudrama starring Lisa Vanderpump, where first-class luxury meets world-class drama. A new season of The Kardashians starring The Kardashians, of course. And Grand Cayman, Secrets in Paradise, the sizzling new reality show set in the tropical Caribbean. It's all new and it's streaming now on Hulu. Did you know that it's Asian American and Pacific Islander Heritage Month? Macy's is highlighting some really cool AAPI-owned brands right now, like Cardon, Kaja, Amelia George, and Hey Meave. Whether you're looking for a good Korean skincare or affordable and trendy jewelry, they've got you covered. Plus, you can help to support college access and student success when you donate online or round up in-store to APIA scholars. APIA is the nation's leading nonprofit organization devoted to the academic, personal, and professional success of Asian American, Native Hawaiian, and Pacific Islander students. Shop Asian American and Pacific Islander-owned brands at Macy's.com or in-store. Hey y'all, I'm Ashley Blaine Featherston Jenkins, but you can call me ABFJ. Welcome to Trials to Triumphs. Lately, I've been thinking a lot about the people who make us, who mold us intentionally and by default. And the older and wiser I get, the more I truly appreciate my parents' sacrifices and unwavering belief in me. The truth is, my fearlessness starts and ends with Bernard and Cynthia, my mom and dad, both beautiful, highly intelligent, and artistic dreamers. My dad has a unique eye for photography and is a true film and TV buff. He taught me to study my craft. My mother is a brilliant and stunning woman with the voice of an angel. I absolutely get my performing chops from her. Those two never doubted that I would achieve my dreams, except for that one time my dad wanted me to quit acting to be an accountant, but that's a story for another time. My guest today is someone who also embodies the strength and gifts of her parents passed on to her. My near, dear, and true friend, Logan Browning. You may know her as my co-star on Dear White People, and she is fierce in so many other ways. To know and love Logan is to know and love her parents. Logan is the friend who is there in the clutch and who most importantly shows up and asks for absolutely nothing in return. She's so rare, and I'm so blessed to be in her orbit. And at the end, Logan sticks around to take us back to her ideal time in history in our Sankofa moment. So a historical time I'd want to go back to is whenever it was in history before um, whiteness was a thing. (laughs) Yeah. All right, Logie. Welcome. Thank you, Ash. Happy to have you. I'm happy to be here. I love you dearly, and I'm so grateful that you're going to be a part of this journey, a major part of this journey, because you've been a part of my journey for what, how long now? Since 2016. Like 20 years. Wow. Logan, that's not (laughs) the right math. (laughs) You're right. Since 2016, which is a long time. It's a very long time. So, Logan, I want to know, do you remember when we met? Yeah. Okay, what's 
What's your version of the events, actually? It was it was the the chemistry reads for um, Sam's. Obviously, you were already cast as Joelle, mm-hmm. and they needed to read Sam with you. And I feel like I met you walking into the room. Yeah. Okay, that's what that's right. <laughs> Literally, that you be yeah, we got it right. Okay, cool. Because you know sometimes people have like different, you know, a different version of the same events, but actually we have the exact same version. Yeah, it was in the room. Uh, you know, with casting and Justin and all of that. And they were like, all right, you know, now we have Logan coming in and you came in and we hugged and you were so sweet. And we sat across from each other and, you know, those metal fold-out chairs and did the scenes and you were fantastic. Oh, and I remember when you left, I looked at Justin <laughs> and was like, I like her. Because at the time, you know, I was young and I felt like, you know, I, obviously I didn't have any say in the casting, but I wanted Justin to know that, I felt something special with you. Don't no. make me cry. <laughs> no, Logan, Ashley. I always tell you, like, <laughs> you are, you're just such a wonderful person, but you're a really good friend. You know, I learned so much from you daily, and I'm excited to learn more about you as we get into this conversation. So thank you for being a friend. <laughs> Come on, Golden Girls. Wow, Ashley, first of all, anyone who knows you knows that, like, you are the great friend. Everyone is reflecting you back to you. And because you are so present and so kind and so giving and so compassionate, and and it's, you know, it's, it's real. Like, I feel like some people in the world try to pull it off and they can't. Mm. And there's nothing you're trying to pull off because you're just, you have this light and this this ability to give and to give give cheerfully and I, I I just want to give back to you always and I think all your friends always just want to mirror back to you the kind of friend that you are thank you Logan all right Logan let's get into the tea what did Atlanta teach you <laughs> what did Atlanta teach me Atlanta taught me, gosh, Atlanta teaches me. Atlanta continues to teach me because that's my home. And I I always say, like, when I ever, whenever I go back home, I always feel like I can exhale. I don't know why I feel like I'm holding my breath in L.A., but every time mm. the plane's about to land, I'm all of a sudden like, oh, I felt, I just feel this overwhelming weight off of my chest. So I think that, you know, Atlanta taught me what what a home feels like, which is to not be burdened. Um, Atlanta taught me how to love being black. <laughs> Atlanta <laughs> yes. taught me if I'm like giving in a relationship with someone, like friendship or whatever it is, I want to be that that feeling that I get mm-hmm. of like there is no burden here. I can exhale. Yeah. I want to be that to other people. Mm, yeah, you know, it's uh, as you were. Well, when you said it, I exhaled too, because I know exactly what you're talking about. I love that. Black folks have been thriving in Atlanta. You like to watch new stuff, right? Well, go to Hulu and see what's new, because Hulu has new stuff all the time. Like Vanderpump Villa, the new docudrama starring Lisa Vanderpump, where first-class luxury meets world-class drama. A new season of The Kardashians starring The Kardashians, of course. And Grand Cayman, Secrets in Paradise. 
the sizzling new reality show set in the tropical Caribbean. It's all new and it's streaming now on Hulu. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one McCrispy, so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. And for a really long time, right? Forever. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's, I, growing up, I mean, I guess that's another thing Atlanta taught me. Like, growing up, you know, I, like, Black affluence and, and Black uh, business ownership was not an anomaly. That was the norm. Like, that's mm. everything you saw. Both of my parents were, like, at the top, top, top of their fields. Like, my dad was owning his own dental practice and hiring all Black hygienists and, yeah. like, my mom was running the Georgia International Convention Center as the director of it, like, on the cover of newspapers. But yeah, you're right. The, I mean, just Black excellence. That's what you think of when you think of Atlanta. I'm happy you mentioned that because I wanted to talk to you about that, um, especially your dad. Like, you know, when you told me, you know, early on in our friendship that your dad was this, you know, prominent Black dentist in Atlanta. And then since we've been friends, which is, a, I don't know if I've mentioned this to you, there's been a lot of people, whether it's friends from Howard that I know from Atlanta, they're like, oh yeah, oh yeah, Logan's dad. Like he, like he was like known. Like people are like, yeah, he was my dentist. Oh yeah. He was so, it's no like, way. oh yeah, people have, and have spoke and have, uh, you know, talked about him so fondly. Like, so the way that you talk about him, people also have talked about him just to me. Like, oh yeah, Logan, like the girl you're on the show with, she's amazing. And her dad was my dentist or whatever it is. So I'm curious, like, what was that like? God, I mean, what did I learn from my parents? I mean, that's a, that is a list that never will end because I'm, my dad has passed and I'm still learning. Well, we got time. I want to know. Girl, I'm, but I'm actually still learning from my dad. And that's something I, mm. I like, I'll say to anyone who, who has any fear over like losing their parents. I, I think about all of my friends who, you know, still have their parents and knowing that the older your parents get, you have that fear. And the truth is, like, even with my dad being gone, I'm still learning from him. Wow. And I never could have imagined that. Um, so that's why I say the list will just go, will always go on. Yeah. But, you know, when I was little, my 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 parents made sure to bring us to their place of work. Um, and so, like, I was always at my dad's practice. My dad had my brother and I working there. We used to, like, clean the sinks and file the, you know, people's records. Mm -hmm. And um, I think it taught us, it taught me work ethic. It taught me like, I, I don't know, it was, a, it was, I, I guess my childhood was like a magical kind of fairy tale because my dad was, had his, you know, his office, like it was the Browning Dental Group on the front of the building when you walked in, like yeah. to mean anything was possible. My, when my mom would, um, have me, you know, come to her work, you know, she had this beautiful corner or this beautiful office that had this big glass, this big glass window that faced the convention center. Like it, I felt mm. from both of my parents, I just always felt like they were on top and like, it was always going to be possible for me to be on top and for me to be like as successful as I wanted to be. It felt magical and, and it, but they also showed me like the work ethic required to get to that point. Yeah. And, you know, my parents, uh, in terms of being an artist, my parents were 
are and were very much into art. Like my, we went to plays all the time. We went to, you know, amphitheaters to see jazz concerts. Um, my parents bought art. They bought art from, you know, markets. They bought art from uh, elementary school students. Mm. I mean, like there is, we have a, we, we have a beautiful piece of um, artwork in, that my, is in my aunt's house now that a high schooler made. And my parents just, I don't know. I feel like they really taught me that it all goes together. It can all go together. Like the art, the business, the, um, leading your life. So it just there, it doesn't have to be a one or the other thing. And so, yeah, I guess just from them, I've always felt like anything's possible. I'm just like, where's the limit? Yeah. Where's, I don't, I don't see a limit. It makes complete sense that you're an artist because I think to be a successful artist, you have to believe that. Mm-hmm. We're constantly living in the unknown every day. We don't yeah. know what's going to come our way, but we keep going because we know mm-hmm. that at any given time, everything can change. And so that makes me think about when your dad passed. Talk to me a little bit about that and what shifted within you, if anything. Yeah, um, when it happened, it wasn't a total shock, but nothing will prepare you for that, no matter how far in advance you can see it coming. So when my dad, who had cancer, who was battling cancer um, for uh, like a year and a half, almost two years, um, he, you know, decided he was they they they'd given him a short amount of time to live and he had decided to do um kind of like a bucket list and but his his you know his bucket list included seeing my brother graduate with his masters mm. um coming out to California to see me uh film hit the floor cuz he hadn't been to that set and i mean i i remember in that time i that was the weakest i've ever seen my dad in my life he was we always called him like, you know, Big Daddy. And he was always <laughs> like a, a big, robust, jolly guy. <laughs> and by the end of my dad's life, he was frail and weak and tiny. And um, his voice was different. Um, I remember when he was in L.A. And, you know, we were doing our dance rehearsals for Hit the Floor. And we were film- we were rehearsing in a space that had stairs, steep stairs to get to the rehearsal space. And my dad at the time was on a walker Mm. and he showed up. And when he saw the stairs, he said, I can't, Mm. I can't, I can't, Logan, I'm so sorry. I know I said I Mm. would try for you, but I cannot get up these stairs. And I I said, dad, no, like you, you have to, you have to get up the stairs. Um, you said, you said you would try. And I said, you know, my, my brother Clint was there. We had, you know, a PA there. I'm like, they can carry you. And my dad said, Logan, I will not be carried by grown people. I'm a grown man. I will not be carried up these stairs. And I was like, dad, you promised you would try. And obviously anyone who is a a daughter of a dad knows that daddies are going to, are going to go the mile for their daughters. And my dad allowed my brother and this other grown woman to pick him up Mm. and carry him up these steep steps. And my dad made it and he got to watch 
the Devil Girls dance in the, you know, dance rehearsal space. He was so happy. Yeah. He was so proud. He was recording us on his phone. And that moment showed me, taught me so much. Taught me, my dad, you know, in his older age, it taught me that you have to still drop the ego and to try, you you know, you, you have to, you have to be willing to uh, have other people help you, even, even, um, especially at your weakest moments, be willing to have other people help you. Yeah. Uh, that was a really big lesson. My dad was still teaching me, mm. you know, in the last month of his life. Wow. Wow. And then what changed about Logan and how Logan walked in the world? It, it was, that was a hard time because my dad passed three days before my birthday. So it was a strange time. I was turning 25. Um, and after it, <clears throat> I remember, I think I also allowed, I after it, I think I what I am probably still learning, but what I know I began to learn at that moment was allowing other people to help me and be there for me in the way that my dad needed to do in that moment going up the stairs. Yeah. I remember I was walking into, um, it was the day, the night my dad passed um, was our hit the floor premiere party. And I went, or I think it was the, the next day. And I, I went and I remember walking into the space and everyone staring at me because I was a little late. I didn't know if I would make it. And everyone just looked at me and I felt like naked. I felt like everyone could see how hurt and broken I was. Yeah. I'll never forget um, my friend who is a, an actress, Taylor Page, walked up to me, grabbed me, held me and said, you're okay. And she walked me and sat me down. And from that moment on for the rest of the night, if I needed to cry, if I needed to just lay down on the couch, people covered me and they, and I've always been that person that people go, oh, Logan is so strong. I don't want to be strong. Mm. Like, I actually don't. I, that's not something I like aspire to. Um, I want to be vulnerable. I want to be open. And, and, and that's what those moments were teaching me. So I think from, from the thing, one of the things that's changed in me is is understanding that I don't need to do everything on on my own that I can let other people in. Amen. Yeah, like I I um it really resonates with me because I I think that I'm oftentimes looked at as like the strong friend too. Uh you know, I I think people look at me and say um Oh, it's Ashley. She's gonna be fine. Like she's she's fine, mm. you know. And um, you know, I I'm a really sensitive soul. I'm very and I'm extremely vulnerable, which you know. But you know, it, it, that saying is really true. You got to check on the strong friend. You really, really do. Mm-hmm. And, and and sometimes it's not words, right? Sometimes it's exactly what Taylor did, and it's just walking over to you putting her arms around you, saying it's going to be okay, and just sitting down. You know, like, it's sometimes mm-hmm. it's it's just that simple. Um, and I think the reason why, for most of us, moments like that stick out in our brains is because it's actually quite rare, right? Like, it's, it's rare that people don't require anything mm-hmm. from you in return and are only there in service to you. Um and and so I, I think that that's mm-hmm. that's that's really that's really beautiful. 
talk to me about your mom and y'all's relationship. <laughs> I think you guys have, I always tell you, I think you and your mom are just inspiring. You guys have this bond that is just tight. That's the word that comes to mind. You guys are just tight. And I, I feel like we don't use that word as often anymore. I feel like growing up, that was like, yeah. oh, we're really tight. Or, you know, your parents would ask like, are you and that girl? Are you and that guy tight? You know, but you and your mom are tight. <laughs> Throwback. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. My, my mom and I are really tight. We're so... <laughs> That's my buddy. Yeah. My mom has always been a nurturer. She's always been the person who is willing to be of service. And so um, growing up, I I just always saw that. I always saw my mom being of service to her family, to her job, to her community. She gave of herself tirelessly. And um, I think because of that, I always knew she, you know, would be there for me and loved me. But I don't think I really knew my mom. I don't think anyone when they're young really knows their mom. Like, you think you know them. and That's something um, I think our generation is trying to be more mindful of. I, I think that for a lot of people, what change, what can change, or at least what happened with, with us, what can change our dynamic drastically is um, an epic event, like my father getting sick and passing. And I saw my mom... Um, Dang, I saw my mom basically, like, killing herself to save my dad. Um, She was still working full-time, and she was, I remember, like, like, there in the hospital with him, like, sleeping on that little bench that's in the room. She just, she she had all her, her mom, her sister, everyone coming to Atlanta to take, help take care of my dad. Um, I just saw that, I saw her be a superwoman, and, um not, you know, she was taking care of my dad first. And you know how they say like, you know, put the oxygen mask on yourself and then put it on the person next to you. My mom was like giving him all the oxygen. And I found that to be incredibly selfless. And, um, and, you know, she's, she is on the other side of it and is, you know, as resilient and healthy as ever. But that, I don't, I mean, anyone who has, anyone who has someone in their life who requires extra, you know, medical attention knows what it means to be really giving so much more of themselves to that person. And um, I don't know, I think I, I've always respect, respected my mom, but I think that I it just breeded a, a new level of respect. And I got to, I started getting to know my mom in ways I hadn't before. Yeah. So, and treating her like, uh, like someone who has, you know, is a whole person and she's not just mom, you know, like I understood, I started to understand that like in any relationship, the things I do and say affect her Yeah, (laughs) and and I have, I should honor that. Yeah. And I think that that's something too, that comes with age. I, you know, I think you just wake up one day, uh, especially in the mother, mother, daughter relationship or father, son relationship. Right. I think you wake up one day and you're like you have the awareness to say, I will one day be her. So how, or him, you know, how do I give them the grace that I know one day I'll need? Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like you just have, but when you're 16, you're not thinking about that. I, um, I want to take a little pivot and kind of just talk about 
you are an actor who I've seen. You like to watch new stuff, right? Well, go to Hulu and see what's new because Hulu has new stuff all the time. Like Vanderpump Villa, the new docudrama starring Lisa Vanderpump, where first-class luxury meets world-class drama. A new season of The Kardashians starring The Kardashians, of course. And Grand Cayman, Secrets in Paradise, the sizzling new reality show set in the tropical Caribbean. It's all new and it's streaming now on Hulu. You know, you you stand up for what's right uh, on and off screen. And I think that that's really admirable about you. And one of the ways that I've witnessed you do it is, you know, uh, as it pertains to casting and auditioning for roles or choosing not to audition for roles that you know are meant for, let's just say, a girl who looks like me. And you and I, although the closest of friends, in the eyes of the industry, we look very different. Uh, and in many ways, we are afforded different opportunities. I remember there was one instance where there was a role that was about a real person who was a darker-skinned woman, and you sent it to me, and we're like, Ashley, I'm not auditioning for this. I just want you to know, like, I don't— Like, basically, I don't bang with this. I told my agents, managers, whoever, like, I appreciate it, but I'm going to pass. And— you also, my friend Tessa Thompson, who also played Sam, she's done the same thing. Uh, you know, we're hearing actresses just speak out about it more. So tell me about that and about like why you're so committed to being, you know, an advocate for all actresses, but also the opportunity of darker skinned actresses like myself. Yeah, well, it's, you know, it's something that, I haven't always done because I haven't always known to do. Mm-hmm. And as soon as I as soon as I realized that I had the ability to say to my representation like this isn't this isn't okay, I never stopped doing what it. What changed? Like what was there something that happened to you like what or was it just you got you you were a little bit older? Was it you seeing a depiction that was incorrect or a form of erasure? in media that made you say, absolutely, I got to start speaking up speaking up about this. Like, what, what shifted within you that made you send that email that time as opposed to other times? Dear white people. Ah! <laughs> Honestly, <laughs> I'm not going to lie. It was dear white people. It was, it was everything about dear white people. It was, it was experiencing, it was being in Sam's shoes and realizing, like, you know, I never identified with a Sam. And I, I did identify with a Sam in the world, but I didn't know why. And then walking in Sam's shoes and see and like, whether it was Sam and Joe or Sam and Co. And, you know, that light skin privilege conversation that Coco has with yeah. Sam. But then outside of our actual show, it was listening to you and Antoinette in interviews mm in reading your interviews and things I'd never, I mean, it, well, actually, even before that, not, wow, I'm really, now I'm realizing even before Dear White People, Camille and I, one of my best friends, Camille, Winbush and I did, we were on a panel after a screening of this film. I think it's called Dark Girls. Oh yeah. Bill Duke's documentary. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes. And, um, in all oh, that was probably one of my first 
that was my first breakthrough moment because Camille mm. and I sat on a panel and she said something I never had, I never understood before. She said, when Logan and I go out to a bar or a club or party, people walk up to her and they speak to her and they don't look at me. And I, as someone who was her best friend, I didn't, I didn't know that and I didn't see it. And I felt like, f- how, how did I not see that? How did I not know my friend was feeling erased and unseen? And I just wanted to, it, that was one of the first moments that made me want to listen. And so I feel like it prepped me for every experience I had in Dear White People to be like, where else do I need to be listening to experiences that I, you know, I, I, I would always see me and Camille as the same until she shared that story. And I go, wow, there are things I missed. Wow, um, Logan. Yeah. You know, the heart of this podcast is about your trial to triumph moment. Moments in your life that changed you. A time that you went through the fire and came out on the other side stronger. You know, a phoenix who rose from the ashes. I think a lot about who Ashley was at the start of Dear White People and who she is now that Dear White People has concluded. And when I look at her, well, first, let me tell you how I got there. I first looked at Joelle. This happened during press, right? When we were doing all this press uh, to promote the final season of the show, season four of the show, you know, that was a big question people were asking, like, you know, how do you feel now that it's over? And, you know, all the things that Joelle has been through and being asked that question forced me to look at who Joelle was, season one, episode one, and who she was, season four, episode 10. And when I was able to look at it through the lens of a character I played, I also then had to look at it through the lens of Ashley. I mean, just even in like a a broad sense of it, I started with a name, I ended with a different name. I have a hyphenated last name now. Did not start with that. Uh, started <laughs> and wait, that's the same for Joelle. Joelle, you're right. Joelle started as uh, curls. <laughs> yes, and then she's and then she's Joelle Brooks, Joelle, and then she's Joelle uh, Joelle Brooks Green. Oh, hey. Brooks Green. Yeah, Joelle Brooks Green. <laughs> you know, and even I mean that's a whole nother thing. But even just how kismet and interesting that is—that similar things happened with Joelle that happened with Ashley, but. When I looked at Joelle over the course of those four seasons and five years, all I could say was, wow, she made it through. She made it through so much. And she came out okay. Um, And it was the same for Ashley. It makes me emotional because I remember starting Dear White People and not feeling okay. It was this big moment in my life, the biggest career moment in my life, But I was, in a lot of ways, longing for so much that I have now, wondering how I would get it, feeling unworthy of all of the things, if I'm completely honest, that I have now. Um, And I'm just so happy that going through a moment of such trials brought me to such a triumphant moment in my life. So talk to me, you know, about what that moment, doesn't have to be Dear White People correlated, but just what that moment has been for Logan. You know, uh, you're you you brought up a, an important pivotal moment in my life. It's it's something that my late manager shared with me. My manager who passed away in t- March 2019. He said, you know, the 
And so it's so ironic, I guess, that he said this to me that you're, he, he used to say, you know, your life will always be colored with before dad and after dad. And now my life is also colored with like before Ken and after Ken. Um, and mm. I, I, I just feel, I don't know. I guess for me, I'm feeling like this more, more of like a, this steady churn, this steady chug. Like my whole life is this steady chug. It's what my career has been like. I've been working since I was 14. I've been very blessed and lucky to just be very, I've not, I have not had this overnight success, this overnight Mm. fame, this overnight anything. It's just been me (sighs) staying on the path and just chugging along and doing it gratefully and humbly and happily. And I, I said this to you recently that I feel like I keep looking backwards at my life and going, wow, I'm in, like what you just said, I'm in such a different place now. I'm so much more enlightened. I've, I can see what, what growth I've had, but it makes me feel, it it gives me this really interesting energy because I know that I'm going to have this moment down the line. I know that things are going to get even better. I'm going to be more enlightened. I'm going to have more growth. Yeah. And so I, I, I feel my trial to triumph daily. I don't know. I feel like I'm constantly Mm. um, honoring it, like honoring that I am at the very, at this very moment in both a trial and a triumph. In some way in my life, I am triumphing over something in my past and I have a trial that I will later triumph, be triumphant on. Like Mm. I, I feel that. Um, and it, it makes me feel present and it makes me feel grateful for what I have gone through and what I will go through. Uh, yeah. I think, I think the interesting thing about, uh, the difference between your twenties and your thirties is, and I guess this is for every decade, but I think it's a, it's a, it's a more earth shaking shift that happens from your twenties to thirties is that, you're more aware. I live with more awareness. Mm-hmm. I'm able to understand and access gratitude, even though I've always had a gratitude practice, but I'm able to understand it and access it in a way that's stronger than it was in my in my 20s. And I, I, I think, you know, what happens in your 30s is that you are able to say, I'm walking through the fire today. I'm having, you know, <laughs> you know, I'm having a trial and I'm having a triumph. And it might happen tomorrow. It might happen next month. But I'm going to get through it. Mm-hmm. I can get through it. Yeah. Because I've already been through it. So why not? What's another mm-hmm. time? I can do it again. And I think <laughs> ultimately when you're artists, it is having to have the ability to accept that always. And for me, that is the struggle. That's the constant struggle of, of saying Ashley, you know it's going to be hard because it's been hard. But keep going because you also know it's going to get good because it's been good. Both both (laughs) can be true. Two things can be true. And it doesn't mean give up. Mm -hmm. It doesn't mean, you know, throw it all away. It just means wake up and try again. Just try again and allow Mm -hmm. God to surprise me. That's that's what my prayer is Mm -hmm. every day. My prayer is, God... I don't know what's going to come my way, 
But I just want to know that it's coming from you. As long as I know that it's coming from you, then it's got to be for me. Amen. So just in closing, I want to ask you, what is your takeaway? Well, my takeaway from this talk is listening to your people is is so important because that's how you were able to have this chat with me is you've listened over the years, you know, to the stories I've shared with you. And the thing I, the other thing I'll take away from this is, is I am going to walk away and take even more stock of what moments in my life have I considered trials? And when have I considered my triumphs? Because I, you know, I mentioned that I feel this way that I'm constantly chugging and feeling that ebb and flow. But I do think it's important to take stock of, you know, your pits and peaks. And yeah. um, it it allows you to look back and 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 be proud. And like you said, go, wow, I did that. I rose from those ashes, um, which encourage, encourages you to move forward. Yeah, I love that. And, and my takeaway is friendship is healing. I am so grateful that I am a better, smarter, stronger woman because you've been my friend. So I love you. I thank you. I honor you. I love you too. And I'm just really excited to continue to go through life hand in hand with you. I really am. Oh my gosh. (laughs) Ashley, don't propose to be on your podcast. Logan. (laughs) I can't let a moment be a moment. You literally are incapable of doing it. It's insane. (laughs) Thank you. This is amazing. I love you, Logan. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. credits and our Sankofa moments, leave it to Logan to get us thinking about quite possibly the perfect time in history. Thank you for listening. This podcast is produced by LWC Studios for OWN. The show's executive producer is Juleka Lantigua. Its senior editor is Verilyn Williams. Our sound designer is Cedric Wilson. Our managing producers are Camille Stennis and Paulina Velasco. Our assistant producer is Lauren Francis. If you've enjoyed listening to this episode, please make sure to subscribe, leave a rating, and review wherever you listen to podcasts to ensure you hear the next one. What's a historical moment that you might want to go back to and be a part of? Okay, I got to be careful with this one because... I know. there's I can't go there, back. There's some rough times <laughs> behind us. Okay. There were a lot of good times as well, but things were a little rough at times. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, so a historical time I'd want to go back to is whenever it was in history before um, whiteness was a thing. <laughs> like, whatever yeah. time people really just were all able to, I don't know, I guess when everyone was black, I don't know. <laughs> I just I just want to go back to this, to a time before there was, a, like, divisions between people that... Made them have any sort of tensions because of it. That sounds amazing, actually. Maybe there's some sort of time capsule that can teleport us back. I don't know. We'll see. <laughs>
life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one McCrispy, so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.